It's been nearly a month and a half since President Obama announced the creation of a Federal Chief Information Security Officer post. But so far, the White House has yet to name the person to fill that job. Back in early February, when the post was announced, Federal CIO Tony Scott described the position this way. This is a coordination and policy role across the federal civilian agencies primarily. And as such, it would coordinate closely with DNI, with NSC, and with all of the other cybersecurity-focused elements of the government. It's a policy role. It's not a operational role, per se. There's not going to be a team here, you know, manning a bunch of screens and keyboards and those kinds of things, you know, sort of watching for alerts but driving rather the more strategic sort of initiatives related to cybersecurity and making sure that we have consistent application of those across the federal agencies. It'll leverage the CIO Council, but I think it'll also strengthen the role of CISOs that exist in each of the federal agencies. We've got a good model for that with some of the other cross-agency councils, and, and the CISO role as chair of a CISO council, I think, will have a large effect across the federal government. It'll have great visibility, not only with me, but also with the CIO council as well. Phil Reitinger is president of the recently formed Global Cyber Alliance and previously served as CISO at Sony as well as deputy undersecretary and director of the National Cybersecurity Center at the Department of Homeland Security. And speaking with the Steptoe Cyber Law podcast, Reitinger says it isn't clear the impact a federal CISO will have on securing government systems. If DHS is .gov focused and there's a CISO in OMB how are the roles and responsibilities are going to work? Jim Lewis likes to say that, Jim Lewis from the Center for Strategic International Studies, there are three elements of bureaucratic power, resources, authorities, and access to the president. You can see that there might be splits along those different pieces. There are already differences in terms of the amount of power DHS has vis-a-vis either DOJ or DOD in that space. And a federal CISO, while a good idea from an overarching perspective, how it's going to work bureaucratically, I couldn't really tell you. Redinger says the federal CISO could be challenged to direct departments and agencies on how to govern and implement cybersecurity. It's very, very hard for any cabinet agency to tell another cabinet agency how to suck eggs. Cybersecurity is almost inherently that sort of space. You need to do your business this way because cybersecurity is embedded with IT, which is embedded with the mission statement. So it's a bit like an entity like DHS telling DOJ how to be a law enforcer. And that doesn't sit well. So you often need, no matter what authorities you've got, you're going to need some sort of White House backing. To get an idea of what challenges the new federal CISO will face, I caught up with Mark Weatherford. Weatherford provides a unique perspective. As the former CISO of the largest U.S. government outside the federal government, the state of California, as well as the one-time Deputy Undersecretary for Cybersecurity in the Department of Homeland Security, where much of the responsibility for securing civilian federal systems reside. Weatherford sees the new federal CISO facing a massive bureaucracy that will be hard to budge. 
of the many, many challenges that CISO has, the cultural challenges internally to their organization are oftentimes the hardest. These are hurdles. They're not things that make it impossible. They're just hurdles. But culturally, every agency is different, you know, because their missions are different. Naturally, the cultures are going to be different. And most of the people in federal agencies have grown up in those agencies. They're career civil servants, and they've been in their respective agencies for the majority of their career in, in many cases. It's hard to break through. And the new federal CISO must overcome complacency that is characteristic in many federal agencies. The government, by its very nature, is somewhat allergic to new things and thrives on inertia in a lot of respects. There's going to be some hurdles that this person has to overcome initially just with building relationships across the federal government within the, the departments and agencies. How would or should the new federal CISO take on this inertia? Weatherford says leadership. The leadership characteristics of this person are really going to be the determining factor in whether the person is able to be successful or not. Because it will be very easy for people at the agency and department level to ignore the federal CISO unless there's personal and professional relationships established. And even then, it's, it's, it's going to be an incredible challenge. The leadership is going to be everything. You know, technical skills are one thing, but leadership is going to be key to success for this person. One of the challenges the White House faces is finding a qualified candidate is the limited amount of time the new federal CISO will have to accomplish his or her goals. Think about it. A new president will take office next January 20th, and she or he can name a new federal CISO. How many people would be willing to take a job knowing it will last less than a year? Still, Weatherford says the administration must act quickly if the new federal CISO will be effective on the job. The longer they dally on this, and, you know, if this thing stretches into April or May, then you're looking at eight, nine months at the most for someone to come in and be able to start affecting any change. And, you know, that's just a recipe for failure. And why would any qualified person take the job under those circumstances? Well, I would say if it's a civil servant rather than an appointee, uh, a civil servant probably will have a place to land um, somewhere in the federal government at the end of the administration. If it was a an appointee, that would be a really tough sell to try to get somebody to take the job because then you're literally out on your street with your thumb in the air on January 20th of next year. So I would say it's a little bit easier for a career civil servant than it is for an appointee, although I think an appointee would probably be more effective and be able to more rapidly affect change. Well, I guess it would at least look good on, on his or her resume. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. But why would an appointee be better than a career civil servant? You know, this is, you know, what I recommend is they bring somebody from the outside that has worked in uh, in doing turnarounds in a, an organization of some significance. And then they surround them with the kind of policy and budget people that can help mentor them through some of those pieces of challenge. So you really need somebody, I think, and, and I'm not saying that, that there aren't career civil servants that don't have this kind of experience. But there's a different mentality that comes with with an appointee coming in knowing, okay, I have 10 months, 8 months, get everything done. That's all the time I have, and then I'm looking for something else. You can kind of create your your own sense of urgency when you have a mandate like that, but I just don't think, you know, a career uh, federal employee, just they're going to have another job somewhere. 
a little bit of a different mindset coming into the job. Even with a limited amount of time in the position, the new federal CISO could leave a mark. Ten months, nine months is not enough time to to create the kind of long-term structural change in an organization that's going to be long-lasting. But you certainly can put those things in place for the next administration. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say whoever the next president is would be uh, wise to, uh, to, to maintain this and put someone in the job. The federal CISO would report to the federal chief information officer, now Tony Scott. Scott reports to the Deputy Director for Management in the White House Office of Management and Budget, a few rungs removed from the President. Putting it in OMB is certainly the right way to put it. Putting it under the CIO, I would have done it a little bit differently, and I would make the role appear with the federal CIO. We've seen this in the private sector. There's a trend now where, in many organizations, the, the CISO reports directly to the CEO, and I think justifiably so. In the two of the three CISO roles that I've had, I worked directly for the CIO, and it worked okay for me because I had good relationships with them, but I think for every one that works out well, there's two that probably don't work out well. And there's a little bit of an inherent conflict of interest between the CIO and the CISO simply because you know, the CIO is trying to change the technology landscape within the organization at certain budgetary requirements and guidelines. Often those can be in direct conflict where the CISO wants to go. President Obama has made cybersecurity a high priority for his administration, and the creation of a federal CISO demonstrates that commitment. And federal CIO Scott says the new CISO may have some face time with the president. Is that important? Weatherford doesn't think so. You know, I don't know about that. That's a pretty big stretch. <laughs> There's a lot of really important people and important roles in the federal government that don't get face time with the president. The role needs to report to somebody who does get face time with the president, though. You know, once or twice removed from the president, I think, at the most. Depends on how the role is codified and the responsibilities of the role. I mean, if it's going to be simply making policy for the federal government, probably not that important. What really needs to be conveyed to White House leadership is what's the status on a daily basis of cybersecurity threats and vulnerabilities within the federal government. You know, and this is where I think the CDM program at DHS could play a role. CDM is continuous diagnostic and mitigation because as that gets widely deployed across all federal agencies, DHS is going to have some pretty good visibility into the status of the different federal agencies. And that's really what the president needs to see, or, or maybe not the president, but the White House leadership needs to see is, you know, do we have an agency that's having an, an incident or in the middle of an event, you know, on any particular day or time? That's the kind of thing that the leadership needs to have visibility into. Whether or not the federal CISO meets with the president isn't the issue here. What's crucial is the criticality to get the post filled. There needs to be a sense of urgency here. The president announced this maybe five or six weeks ago, and the clock's ticking. They need to get somebody in the role, and they need to pick somebody that has experience and somebody that has respect for the community. If you put somebody in this job that is not a recognized security expert, then it's probably never going to have the kind of credibility that it's going to need to be successful. That's Mark Weatherford. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.